Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. We quiet our hearts this morning. We are thankful to be in your house. Lord, we are thankful that you are around us, that you are a shield for us. That when the world says we're no good or we're not able, we don't meet the standard, we don't pass the test, you remind us otherwise. You love us so. When we feel anxious and concerned and upset, you quiet our hearts. And so, Lord, as we come to you this morning, we ask that you would quiet our hearts. Allow us, Lord, these moments to worship you in a powerful way. Allow these words that you have burned into us to remind us, Lord, who we are in you. Help us, Lord, to throw off those things that so easily entangle us, that weigh us down, that make us feel worthless. Encourage us with your word this morning that we might walk away here, from here, Lord, able to share the hope that you have given us in our own lives. We are thankful for the opportunity to meet with you. Encourage us in the midst of it. In your name we pray. Amen. Scripture this morning is from Acts chapter 14. question I have before, before I read this morning is, can you remember the last test that you took? Can you remember the last test you took? Think about that. You may remember last week's uh, sermon was about the road to Damascus and Paul's experience in life where Ananias came to him and reminded him of his call and Paul's eyesight came back. And his call was to take that message to the Gentile world, expand that gospel from the Jewish community out until the rest of the world. Today's passage is actually very early on in Paul's call. And it reads more like an action-adventure film than just some words written in a book. And as I read it, I pray that that's what you'll see in your mind's eye this morning. That you'll see the action that's going on. And you'll see the characters that are a part of this passage. And it's my prayer that God would place upon your heart a connect to a character. To someone that's in this passage. And to the way that they respond. When we looked at that video this morning, we saw the response of that young child. And I wonder how often in our own lives that God just shakes his head at us like that and because we've responded by kicking and stomping and pouting. Let's read the passage in, in uh, Acts chapter 14. In Lystra there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from, the birth, from his birth and never had walked. 
He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed. And he called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men human like you. We are bringing the good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to a living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he himself has not, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word this morning. Lord, what an exciting moment it is to be able to come and to know that you love us so. That you love us so much that you would send your son. That you would give of something you love so dearly for us. Lord, as we hear your word this morning, I pray that it would be spoken in power. Lord, that you would speak each word into our hearts. That you would quiet us, Lord, that we might hear from you. Lord, that we would understand how to respond. Strengthen us and encourage us. Remind us who we are in you. Lord, for we know that we come to honor and worship you this morning. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. So what was the last test you took? For some of you, it might have been like a week ago or a day ago. Blood test, okay. Some of you, it might have been a while since you took a test, right? Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you were tested? <laughs> Maybe when the alarm clock went off this morning. <laughs> and you thought, if I hit the snooze about six more times, I might make it to second service. <laughs> right? And in all honesty, that's a pretty easy test. That one's not that hard. There are a whole lot harder tests in our life. The question is, 
How much of you, how many, anyone enjoyed the last test that you went through? Oh, man, nobody enjoyed the last test they went through? Are you kidding me? Zach, my buddy Zach, he loved the last test. Right, Zach? (laughs) Maybe, right? All right, so I got an idea. So if I said, okay, next week there'll be a test on this sermon, you better listen carefully. I wonder how many people wouldn't be here, right? It won't be a connect card next week. It's going to be a test. Roscoe said he's not coming. (laughs) I took this picture. I like this picture because that's how I feel when I have to take a test. And I put the, the, uh, the license because I think that there's one defining moment in our life. It's when we have to take that driver's test, right? Now, those of us who've already taken that driver's test and have spent time years driving, it's like, no big deal. But I can remember taking my kids, terrified, practicing. I'm going to rat my youngest out. One time, one year, Sarah was learning how to drive. In April, my daughter-in-law was going to teach her because I don't have enough patience. And thank God that the snow was really deep out here. And we had about 12-foot drifts all the way around the church. <laughs> and she drove, and she didn't know how to stop very well. And, she, of course, she drove right into the snow drifts. <laughs> Thankfully, the drifts were there to protect her, I guess. But that's a the very defining moment in life when we take that test, is it not? And I know, I see a lot of on Facebook, I'm about to take that test, that driver's test. And do you know that if you don't pass like where the lights are and where the heater is and all that jazz before, you don't even get to drive anymore? I don't remember that as a kid. I remember doing the figure eight, the three-point turn, back out the little track. Nowadays, it seems kind of scary. seems real scary, actually. So what are tests for, right? We don't like tests. So what are they for? Do they have any value in our lives? They have tons of value. And in fact, I would like for you to think about the last time you bought a car. Did anyone buy a car that wasn't tested? That they just put a brand new set of, uh, they just put a set of brakes on there, unengineered, nobody ever tried it. We're just going to let you try it and see how it goes. How long do you think you'd be driving that car? When we buy a car, that's one of the things that we look at, right? Safety ratings. They put all those crazy commercials where they, this rating and this rating and this rating. We want to buy something that's been tested. So we aren't really interested in tests in our own life, but we sure do like tests when someone else has to do them. Let me give you another example. When's the last time you wanted to go to your specialist who hadn't been tested, who hadn't been proven? How about your pharmacist? Your mechanic, you know, they know how to fix the brakes would be helpful. How about your airplane pilot? When's the last time you wanted to get on an airplane where that person hasn't been tested? I know what you're thinking. I love the Holiday Inn commercial too, right? Did you, I saw a Holiday Inn commercial this week that said, it shows all these young guys getting in this helicopter, and the guy's in the driver's seat, and these guys are like, woo, we're going, and they're, I don't know where they're going, and they start to take off, and he pulls back, and he pulls up, and as they pull away from the ground, you see this guy down there, and they're like, what's that guy want? And the, and the driver's like, oh, that's the pilot. I've never done this before. <laughs> But I have sl- I did sleep last night at a Holiday Inn Express. Not very comforting, is it? Not very comforting is- at all. We like when other people are tested. Not so much 
when we're tested. Why? Because we tend to struggle with those tests. And we always have a hard time responding the right way. It's just like that, the countdown timer. That's how we respond way too often when we're tested in life. I don't like it. I don't want a new brother. Brothers are mean. They're going to grow up to be mean. God, I don't like this situation that I'm in. And I sure would like you to change it. And yet, if we're honest and we look at the tests that are in our life, I'd be willing to bet that we can find some value. Although the tests may not be fun or desirable or anything that we ever wanted to go through, we can find value in our spiritual walk by looking at that test and seeing what the value that God has put on that in our lives. I'm not saying that makes the test easy or that that makes the test better. What I'm saying is that test has value. And in this passage today, there are three different people, three different groups of people that we're going to talk about because they were all tested and responded in different ways. The first one was the lame guy, the lame man, the second, the crowd. And finally, Paul and Barnabas. Each tested differently, each responded differently. The first one was a lame man. said, this lame man had been lame from birth. He had never walked. That meant that he was carried from place to place, carried to where he could beg, carried to where someone could take care of him. He couldn't do a whole lot on his own. He had spent his whole life being tested. It's interesting that he doesn't even have, he doesn't even have a name. We didn't even give him a name. Scripture doesn't give him a name. I don't think he caused his lameness. It's all he ever knew. And he could not fix that problem, could he? We see it today, even with all of the medical uh, technology we have, that there are things that cannot be fixed. And so one day, this lame man is sitting out there when Paul comes to town. And he hears Paul start preaching the good news, preaching. And his ears perk up. And his ears perk up for a reason. Because he has no other hope. He's desperate. There's nothing else that has helped him. There are no social services of that day to help him along. He has no other choice. It's pure desperation that he hears Paul speaking. And it's interesting to me because I think this man would have been Sitting on the ground. Most of the rest of the people would have been standing. And yet, Paul, while he's preaching, makes eye contact with this lame man. And when he makes contact with that lame man, he sees that this man has faith. And he calls him out. Paul looked, it says, Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed. And you've got to wonder if, the young, if that, that man that was on the ground was like, Me? Is it me? It's me. It's me. It's me. He saw me. And when Paul says, stand up on your feet, he jumps up on his feet. He responded in desperation. 
He had no other way to go. There was no, nothing else to do. When he heard Paul's message, he responded. And it's a whole lot like our own faith journeys, is it not? That moment, if you're a believer in Christ, that moment that you came to Christ was a desperation move. For some of us, it's the walls had crumbled in. I had no other choice. I had nowhere to go. For some of us, it's quiet desperation. And I'd be willing to bet that there's someone here this morning that's just burning up inside with that quiet desperation. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to change this. I can't. I'm stuck. God, help me. God, help me in the midst of this. That desperation. That's how this lame man responded. He responded to the message he heard in desperation. I can remember being 14 years old and being taken to a camp called the Wilds in North Carolina. I had gone to church. My grandparents had taken me to church. I, I kind of understood, right? I, I want to I say that I was like six years old and I understood. I fully understood God's love, but I don't think I really fully understood it at that age. I understood what I could understand at that age. But at 14, I came to this very real moment in my life at this camp called Camp Wilds. A man, by, I'll never forget, a man by the name of Tom Farr. I don't know who he is. Never heard of him before, never heard of him afterwards. He came and he shared the gospel. He shared the gospel in this, you know what, I had a picture of it. Eh, I don't have it. There, I'll just put that up. <laughs> he came and he shared the gospel and he talked to us about the punishment that Jesus took for each one of us. And he went in gruesome detail about the cat of nine tails, about how each and every step that Jesus took tore at his skin, that the blood would have dried and, and been crushed. And he went through gory details. And it reminded me just how desperate I was and the hope that I had that was only going to be in that Jesus. And then he made this altar call at the end of it. And he says, if you want it, to accept that Jesus into your life. That's the moment you need to stand up and go. And I will tell you that I sat in that pew. I am not a person who likes to get up in front of people. I don't enjoy being the center of any attention. That kind of stuff, oh, scary. And I can remember my legs, like this lame man. God saying, stand up and go. And go to that, there was a tent on the side. Go to that tent and give your life to Christ. And I can remember that defining moment in my life. Not that I didn't believe in Christ before that, but it was at that moment I realized that I was desperate for a Savior, that I needed a Savior in my life, that I couldn't do this on my own. I responded because I had to. And I will encourage you that at the end of this service, you'll have that opportunity to respond. And if you've never responded to God and you're hearing him call this morning, I pray that you would respond. Don't let another day go by. It's powerful and it changes your life. It's the only hope in a hopeless world we live in. The lame man responded 
in desperation. He had no other choice. And then there's the crowd. Do you respond like the crowd? The crowd was all excited. They were pumped up. They were excited. They just saw a magic trick. Right? This guy's been lame forever. Never seen this guy walk before. We know this guy. He's been lame forever. And whoa, he stood up and he walked. Pretty powerful moment. But between the smoke and mirrors, they missed the point. They missed the truth. They missed what God was doing in that moment through Paul. They saw a sign and they got hung up on that sign. Oh, it went backwards. Sorry, trying to keep up. They saw a magic trick and they were like, wow, this is awesome. And then they went right back to their pagan gods. And we see what happens. I don't know about you, but in my mind's eye, I can see this action adventure happening. The crowd starts to go crazy. They want to put these, they're going to sacrifice these bulls. They have these wreaths. And Paul and Barnabas are like, no, you're missing the point. You're going the wrong direction. You're doing the wrong thing. And they totally missed what was going on. I'm challenged when I begin to look for signs and I spend too much time challenging God looking for a sign and not being faithful in the midst of that. God, if you'll just send me a sign. That's what this crowd saw. They saw this crazy sign awesome magic trick, and then they were like, whoa. But it's pretty interesting that they got fickle pretty quickly, didn't they? A few Jews that had come from uh, the last city Paul had got kicked out of, a few verses before this. They saw Paul as a traitor, and they said, you know what? We're going to take care of this traitor. We're going to get rid of him. He was on our side. Now he's spun around. Traitor. And how quickly they changed the crowd. They moved the crowd from following after to Trying to kill him. Scripture in uh, Matthew reminds us that we, we get, if we, can get, we get hung up on signs. You ever been in one of those experiences? <laughs> Isn't that how it feels in this life sometimes? There's ten different options there, and I better make the decision very, very quickly, right? Because if I don't, I'm going to run right into the pole in the middle. I'm going to smack the pole right over uh, 73. I don't know which sign to follow. And sometimes that's how life is. And so we choose not to follow any. We just deny that anything's going on. When very clearly in this scripture, Paul says, you need to follow Jesus, the living God. That's the one you need to follow. But they denied that. They missed it. They didn't see that and weren't able to, to, they just got so hung up that they weren't able to see that and they missed the point. They missed the point that they were being tested. There was a test and they got a big F for failing. God was calling them, trying to offer a way out and they missed it. 
They didn't even see it coming. And don't we do that in our own life? We know that God has a better plan than we have, and yet sometimes we struggle to follow his plan. We see that test, and we get stuck. We see that test in our life, and we just can't get past it. So I think I'll do my plan because I like it better than yours, God. And I'd like to say, I would like to say that in my own life, that my plan has less pain. I would like to say that. But if I'm honest about the way that I look at the way I do things, it's not always less pain that drives me to my plan, is it? Sometimes it's pure stupidity, pure ego, pure attitude that I have a better plan than God has. It's not easier. It's pure stubbornness. Think about the moment when the crowd went from these guys are gods to the moment of let's kill them and how quickly that shifted. It says they drug him right out the city like he was dead. They totally missed it. How do you respond to tests? Like the crowd? Do you deny that some of us even deny that there's a test there? If I close my eyes and bury my head in the sand, I'll never even see the test. Maybe it'll go away. Finally, Do you respond to the test like Paul? Paul and Barnabas were taking a beating. This is the second. They had left uh, Iconium for one reason. They got chased out of there because they were going to get killed. So they go to the next city. And I gotta, you got to ask this question to your, of yourself. you got to think about this just for a moment. Paul's like, okay, God, you made me blind. You brought in Ananias. I got my sight back. I told you I'd follow you. And now I'm getting a tar beat out of me? I think I missed a step here. I, mi- I-, I thought this was going to be a little easier. God, what is going on? I'm doing what you want. You may remember last week that, that when Ananias questions God, he says, I will show Paul that he- of his suffering. It's in uh, chapter 9 where we talked last week. We're not talking about a little scratch or a scrape or a couple bruises. This is a man that they thought was dead. They drug him out because they thought he was dead. There are some commentators who believe that he may have been dead and resurrected at that moment. I don't, there's not enough information for me to make that jump, but it's interesting to think about. Paul reacted to this test the same way he reacted to every test in his life from that moment on. With resolve. He was resolved to do what God would have him to do. 2 Corinthians 11. He says, I'm a fool to tell you guys this. That's how he puts it in parentheses. I'm I'm out of my mind to talk about this. But Corinthian church, I'm going to tell you what I've gone through. I've been in prison. I've been flogged. I've been exposed to death. Five times I received 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've been constantly on the move. Danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, in danger 
of my false brothers. I have labored and toiled and gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I've gone without food. I've been cold. I've been naked. I've been thirsty. And most importantly, this is how he ends it. I have to worry about my churches and what they're going through. I face daily pressure of the concern for my churches. Paul was resolved to follow after God. Might not be able to read that. It says, are you just going to lay there or are you going to get back up on the horse? I think I like it best because I like the view. <laughs> not very many horses in my life, but I have ended up this, in this very spot one time. That was enough for me to learn. I don't like riding horses. <laughs> but for those who like riding horses... There's something to be said about getting back on that horse. About continuing to move forward through the midst of the struggles of life. Because like it or not, we just can't give up. Sometimes we want to give up. I get it. Sometimes I feel like giving up. Maybe the problem is the way we look at it. Maybe the problem is the way we look at life. See, I think we want to go through life like a racetrack, like a race car, right? We want to go through life as fast as we can at top speed, make all the corners, and beat everybody else. Right? If I'm going to do this life, I want to do it the best that I can. And that's a good way to go. But the reality is it's a long life. It's a journey that we're on. It'd be great if God fixed everything today. But I need to have faith that if he doesn't fix everything today, that I can get up tomorrow and go about my business. See, we, wanna, we want life to be just like that, right? In the front of the fastest car. But maybe life is maybe a little bit more like this. I got to tell you a story about a, some friends of mine who were on that track that you saw in the last clip. That was Watkins Glen's uh, racetrack, by the way. But they were in the racetrack on, in an F-250, extended cab, diesel. How do you think that went? They told me they started last, and they finished last. Oh, you, you passed somebody? Awesome, I didn't know that. <laughs> you don't know anything about it, though, do you, Brian? <laughs> When I heard that story, they said, it was awesome. We did Watkins Glen in a diesel truck. <laughs> They're like, check out this video. It's awesome. I had, uh, half of me was laughing because it's like, yeah, that's probably the, the last way you'd ever want to do Watkins Glen racetrack. They're like, you need to take your car up there. But it reminds me that it's not how fast we go, but rather that we get there. They did the same four laps, four hot laps. I'm not sure they were nearly as hot as the other cars. But they did the same four laps that everyone else in that group that they went with did. And isn't that how life really should be, going from A to B in our journey? Not always a race, but more the journey, getting from A to B. See, our spiritual life, our spiritual walk, 
is long-term. And we need to have resolve that we are going to follow after God in the high times and the low times. Mark read Psalm 23, and that reminded me of, you know, that there are difficult times and there are good times. And yet, we follow after God. There's a passage in Psalm 26 where David says, test me, examine my heart. Try me, God. See if I'm willing. That's a bold statement to to say to God. Test me, God, and see if I'm I'm up to your task. See if I'm able to do what you want me to do. That's challenging to think about. You may not know what that is. I I like the picture. I thought it was a cool picture. It reminds me that sometimes our heart, our heart gets hard. And sometimes it's not as flexible or pliable, and we, we miss what God has for us in life. We miss the fact that God wants the best for us in life. Hebrews uh, 3 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You have a decision to make. You have a decision to make this morning, a decision to make about the rest of your life. You choose to harden your heart, walk out that door, or accept that God is calling you to something and and cry out unto him. For some of us, there is a moment, and this is the moment of desperation. I have no other way to turn. I have nowhere else to go. I don't know what I'll do with the rest of my life. God, please direct that path. Please direct that path in each and every step of my life. Just like the lame man, we are desperately, desperately in need of a Savior. Or we might be like the crowd, and we say on one hand, I hear you, I know, I know what you're saying. I hear that I need a God. I need a Savior. Maybe next week. Maybe next time. Maybe next time I'll come to that spot where I feel compelled to cry out to God. Or maybe this moment today we need to be reminded of the resolve that we need to have for God, that we need to continue to follow hard after God. Jeremiah 29, 13, I think it has somehow become my life life verse. It says, if we seek him with all our heart, we are promised to find him. Doesn't say it exactly like that, but that's, that's the better version. It makes more sense to me. If we seek him with all our heart, we will find him. The challenge this morning is to make that decision, to seek him with all your heart. Let's pray. Lord God, we do quiet our hearts this morning. I am thankful, Lord, that we can come to your house, that we can come in and hear your voice. Lord, I am thankful for your word and acts, the power of the word of God. That we can be reminded, Lord, that we are as desperately in trouble as the lame man, and yet you have a way out for us. That, Lord, we can be fickle like the crowd, and yet you have made a way out for us. That, Lord, we can be like Paul, all but dead, and yet you have made a way for us. 
Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you sent him to die on the cross, to be raised again, and, Lord, to give us an opportunity for eternity, to live even this moment into eternity. Thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.